Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. In a moment, we're going to put some images of some people up on the screen and uh, be helpful if you're vocal. I'd like to, I'd love you, like your spontaneous response in a moment when you see these people. Your spontaneous um, response uh, to, or you know, what you think of them, what you think, you're allowed to yell it out, you're allowed to not be a Christian if you are one in this moment. And um, so, you ready? Here's the first one <laughs> President Donald Trump. I'll tell you what, he knows how to sell papers. They are, well, we don't really sell papers anymore, do we? I don't know what he does. Um, Donald Trump, I wonder what you think of him. Certainly mixed views. But as you, as you have <laughs> fake news, as you sit there, most of us would have some kind of thought, some kind of attitude, uh, maybe a reaction. Um, and we're, we're, we're not even American. Um, so here's the next one. Oh, right. Who doesn't love the Wiggles? Now, let's just have a vote. You've got to vote for the originals or these guys. Who votes for the originals? Okay. Who votes for the new guys? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm just glad Oranga's in it. You know, we're such a um, marginalised group of people. Well, I know I'm not one anymore, just to be clear, but I, am, I used to be one. So I'm still in there. Okay, next one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I left Linnea in there to protect Mikey from the response. <laughs> he looks, look at his look. How funny is that? It's awesome. I had to go, um, what is it when you follow someone, on, stalk someone on Facebook and uh, look at all their photos? All right, here's the last one. Come on, Steve Irwin. I reckon even in death, and I'm being respectful here, I still reckon Steve Irwin should be knighted. Sir Steve Irwin, I'm serious, I'm, I would never mock. Um, what an incredible Australian. You know his book, uh, his book, his wife wrote a book, just, out of, just as a uh, side note, his wife wrote a book about their life. Do you know what she opened it with? A quote from the book of Ruth in the Bible. And uh, so that's cool. Who knows? Why did I put those guys up on the screen? Um, we form views and opinions of people. We, we develop attitudes and have um, reactions to people. We might be curious about them and we might be attracted to them. We might be repelled by them. Um, we might be resistant toward them, all kinds of things. And, and if you're a follower of Jesus, the same is true of you as people who look on at your life. People, people are having, they've got views. The moment someone hears, uh, I do it, as you know, I travel and and when I get, if I'm on a, on a plane and someone's sitting next to me, one of the things I always try and do is build the conversation well before I get to, in fact, I will ignore the question, what do you do for a living? I will ignore it until I build enough of a credibility with the person and a reputation, uh, sorry, some sort of, you know, some sort of rapport before I tell them what they do. Otherwise, I know that everyone's got an opinion. You're a church pastor. If they go to church, they're going to love you. They're going to think you're, you're good, mostly. 
if they, depending on their background, they're going to have all sorts of views. So I try and hold it back until I can reshape that opinion a little bit before I deliver the news that's going to ensure that they have an opinion on me immediately. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that's, that's true of you too. People, when they hear that, um, have views, they have attitudes and all that kind of thing. We form views. And so people's thoughts on Jesus and his church at least partly are informed by the Christians people know. I want to talk about this idea today. Uh, people's thoughts on Jesus and especially on his church are partly informed by the Christian people they know. Isn't that true? I remember I used to, when I still had a job, I had this business and, and I remember I used to contract to a certain company and there was this one guy there who was an absolute nightmare, like just a difficult customer. And then he heard what I did for a living and, um, uh, or did in my spare time in those days, so I'm a church pastor and he went, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm like, heck, don't tell anyone that. <laughs> you know the story about... Um, Alexander the Great and one of his soldiers had been a deserter and he found out that his name was Alexander and he had him delivered to him. And Alexander the Great said to the man who, why did you desert? And the story goes on, he says, and what's your name, soldier? He says, my name is Alexander. And apparently Alexander the Great got wild. He got furious. He said, soldier, what is your name? He said, my name is Alexander. And the story goes that Alexander the Great looked at him and said, well, change your name or change your behaviour. I think, you know, as Christians, hey, let's be the kind of people that when people look on and see our lives, that there doesn't need to be a name change. There doesn't mean nothing to be ashamed of. But there's something that we would powerfully, profoundly, positively um, influence the way people think about Jesus and his church. So I want to talk today about living life so compellingly it causes people to consider Jesus. Living life so compellingly that it causes people to consider Jesus. A life hard to ignore, that demands attention, and, and that causes people to think, this is what I'd be hoping would be, like what would, the outcome we'd get is, is that people would look on and go, there is something about that Christian, that person, and there might be more to this. That, that's it. That's all we're trying to do. Because God can take that and he can use that powerfully. That They might look on at the way you and I live and go, there's something about them and there might be more to this. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't you love your life to have that sort of effect? Um, if you're not a Christian this morning or, or you're not fully there yet, um, I think you'll still get plenty out of this um, uh, the principles will work in terms of, most of them will work in terms of just living a compelling life generally. And I hope you get a sense of just how focused on and committed to your life that God really is. I, I, I'm hoping that's what you'll get a sense of. So this message will still help you. In fact, listen to this. This is, this is God's attitude towards you if you don't know him yet in a personal way. The Lord, the Bible says, the, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, he's talking about eternity, um, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct? Um, the Lord holds back. God holds back everything. The only reason we're still here is that none would perish. If I'm a Christian, he's not here so I can build a church. He's not here so that I can live blessed. 
there's no way on this side of heaven I can live more blessed than I will live there. And so the only reason he's here, if you don't know Jesus, the only thing holding back this world coming to an end is that you might come to faith in him. So good reason to be here. Now, but if I'm a Christian this morning, if I'm in this room, there's something more here to this and that's where I want to take us today. So much more potential to positively, to profoundly, to eternally um, impact someone's life. Uh, Listen to these passages from the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourselves cosy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Underline these next few words. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Now that's a powerful thought. Don't be so cosy. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. But live an exemplary life among the natives, it's talking about um, people who don't know Jesus there, that your actions will refute their prejudices, maybe inform what they don't know, um, and that somebody, some people might be and will be indeed one over. Here's the next one, Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer um, everyone. I love that Bible. It's one of my favorite Bible verses um, in the whole of the Bible, to live in a way that's attractive to an outsider. And, and what I like about that is it excludes weird. You know, it, it, I, I like, I just got to move this. I'm fearful I'm going to bump it. They, um, um, I'm not fearful. I just think you'll be entertained in a way I don't want you to be. Um, live in a way that's attractive. I like that idea. How can I Shape a faith that's attractive to someone open to God. Uh, that's, a, that's worth spending my life doing. And I'm sure it's worth spending yours too. Um, here's a thought. This matters because we are people's touch point to Jesus. If you're a follower of him, you're, we're the touch point. We're the connection. I can still remember the only Christian I ever knew when I was in my late teens. I remember, I didn't ever say it to him. This guy used to give us lifts. He was the only person who gave us lifts everywhere. And, and I remember thinking... Oh, I wanted to know more about that guy. I was curious about that guy and he disappeared. We are people's touch point. This matters because people are living without God in the world. The Bible calls it um, in darkness. This matters because people are fast-tracking towards eternity. And this is where you know, it can get uncomfortable and unthinkable, unbearable, unfathomable eternity. People are fast-tracking there and it it doesn't need to be like that. People get angry with God, but it doesn't need to be like that. It can change in the blink of an eye. Your life, my life, the way we live it, it's important. It matters because of eternity. And, and, and kind of the Bible says where to live with, doesn't put it like this, but saying this, bifocal vision. So I'm at the age where they tell me, my optometrist tells me that I need one lens to see short and one contact lens to see long. And I tried it and I just had permanently blurred vision and I hated it. So next time I ordered something, I just ordered two lefts so I could just see long and not be blurred. But we need to have one eye that's short and one eye that's long. How are we helping people in the here and now, but how are we helping them when it comes to eternity? What would it profit a person if they gain the whole world and lose their soul? Uh, I said it, I think in the PM service recently, that 
that to preach Jesus without you know, living like a, a, a life that follows up and that blesses people is to, is to live hollow and to um, help people without bringing Jesus is to live shallow. But when we put them together, there's something powerful there. We, an eye on the here and now for people and the eye on the thereafter for people. And they're both, both powerful and important. How to live life so compellingly, it causes people to consider Jesus. Here's our text. Follow along with me. Friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourself cozy. We're going to read more of this text. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your action will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God, won over to God's side, and then uh, and be there to join in the celebration when he returns. Make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect authorities, whatever their level. They are God's people for keeping order. It is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you're a danger to society. There's a line. <laughs> it is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you're a danger to society. Are we allowed to use language that strong in the current context of the Australian culture? I probably need to put some softer words in there. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Then everyone you meet, uh, sorry, treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family, revere God, respect the government. Um, I just want to give us a really easy way to live life out in a compelling way that uh, points people to consider Jesus from this text. The first thought here is, it says, live an exemplary life among the people, you know, uh, it calls natives, but uh, among the people around us, it, it will have such an impact that it will even affect and refute people's prejudices. Just living life that way. So I've put here, live a life, live an exemplary life. It means to live it commendably, respected, a worthy life. It's to live a fine example and be a model worth following. So here are some thoughts. Build a base of credibility. Just to build a base of credibility. Um, just known for the kind of person we are um, so that we might be, you know, not, the, not just the known but, but um, the valued, that, you're, that, that my opinion, that your opinion, that what, what we bring might be valued, that what we bring might actually be, um, could be trusted and that, that people would invite you in. You know what I'm amazed is, I'm not amazed, but what's interesting is often people who aren't, openly that interested when they go through turmoil ring you, like people you barely know. And, and it tells me that when people, when credibility is known and when it's seen, it becomes valued, it's probably not accessed until they need someone that can be trusted and then we become invited just to build credibility. Uh, we live in a time when it's so easy to build a profile. Okay, you, can, you can build an image online in a heartbeat. But... Really, what I think most people see through things, I was in a somewhere the other day, oh, yesterday, in Woolworths, and it had a picture for the, the Woolworths Fresh Food Report. Has anyone seen those commercials? Like, does anybody really believe that they're out in the farm giving a fresh food report because the food is fresh? No. Right? We live in an age where we see right through stuff. People see right through the image that's created on Insta. But there's something powerful, I think more powerful than ever, than a life that's built on credibility. Build a base of respected, 
build a base of respected. I was, um, I was on the road twice recently when the road to Armidale was closed because of tragedies. And both days. And one of those days, um, Luke from our church was the police officer on the road. And um, it was interesting just watching his manner. This Christian guy in the midst of the greatest of tragedies, watching him just navigate the whole situation. I sent him a text later on and, you know, it was very powerful. Just built great credibility. Each officer, because we were right at the front of the traffic line, they'd stopped. And um, just incredible. Every police officer I spoke to just raved about him. Who we, oh, sorry, there you are, hello. And um, just raved about who he was, the way he went about his business. I thought, that's powerful. Credibility, trusted, respected. Uh, build a base of character that can be trusted is the third thought. Good, good character goes before a person as surely as flawed character discredits people. Isn't that true? Whatever you think of President Trump, we know that President Trump has got the economy working. But does anyone in the room actually think that President Trump has great character? Anybody? Yeah, someone does. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm not against President Trump. Not at all. But you know what I mean, right? Most of you know what I mean. And um, we could create some tension here around this for a little while. It'd be kind of awkward. <laughs> they, um, character that can be trusted is a powerful thing. It's a rare commodity. Of character is a rare commodity. Trusted is a hidden variable that affects everything. And so if we can develop character that can be trusted, then build a base of positively different, um, just next level generosity, next level grace, next level conversation. I think it's so incredibly powerful, next level generosity. He's not here today, but you know, one of my good friends, Mick Dormer, um, he had something happen with a long time ago customer and um, he didn't need to do anything about it. It wasn't, his, it wasn't his to, legally it wasn't his to fix, but in his heart he wanted to do the right thing. He offered them an extraordinary amount of money or that he'd buy the thing in question. He didn't need to do either. He did not need to give them a dollar. But he said, you know, I'm more concerned about their soul than I am about the money. I'm more concerned about the outcome for them than I am about what this means for me. Just incredibly powerful. I wish I could give you the details. It's way better. Just build a base of positively different next-level generosity, next-level grace, next-level conversation. Um, that scripture, again, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Um, take the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Always full of grace, always seasoned with salt. I wonder, you know, for example, how do you go in a restaurant if you get the wrong meal? You know, you were meant to get sweet and sour and you only got sweet. How, how do you deal with that? Because that's kind of big. I definitely would put someone's soul under tension around that in the way that I would deal with them based on that. What do you do? What do you do when, when people who don't know Jesus act like people who don't know Jesus would. Well, I mean, there's great people that don't know Jesus, but you know what I mean. I've got the Bible in for me. What, how, do you, how do you engage in that? How do you react to that when someone does the wrong thing, when someone insists on their rights, when someone insists on their way, when someone makes a selfish decision, when, when someone cuts me off in traffic? Most people don't cut me off. I find that I do wrong things in traffic. And so they beep at me. 
and I've had to stop beeping back like a friendly beep back, beep beep, like I pretend that Ron said, you can't do that, that's still wrong. What? Let's have a vote. Who thinks it's still wrong? Who thinks it's okay? Yes, yes. It's like, you can't do that. You don't mean it, Darren. You're not really happy. But, you know, so I've deleted that from my behaviour. If I've ever done that to you, I wasn't. Now you know I wasn't saying hi. I was just, it was my reaction to you. It's my way of not swearing. And um, so, yeah. Build a base of positively different and then build a base of it's not about me. It seems to me that ours is increasingly a self-obsessed culture and that people are increasingly entitled. Not a criticism, I don't think, or it kind of is. But it's certainly an observation. I don't know if you agree with it. We live in a pretty self-obsessed culture and one that's incredibly entitled. And in the face of that, it's not about me. It's strikingly different. It's actually a lot like Jesus. And I think that is compelling. Take the same approach, you know, just to our life. The Bible, again, whatever the master... Uh, sorry, make the master proud of you, it goes on to say. Um, of being, uh, Make the master proud of you by being good citizens. It goes on, it is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you're a danger to society. <laughs> That's funny. Unless you are a danger. Some people live their lives by confirming people's prejudices, perspectives, worst fears. And then, but the Bible says here we can be a cure for people's prejudice. I think more than that, we can redefine people's perspective, which most of the time is just uninformed, just by the way we live. Live in such a way, you know, the way Ryan Alderton does business is bound to make someone maybe think differently about things. What about you? Um, just to, to live out that way. Live such good lives, it says in another version. Then we read this. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. It goes on and adds the government. One of the things that many migrants, if you are one this morning, have said over a long time to me about it, Christians said to me a lot about you know, Australians, is that Australians don't respect authority. Not in the family, not in the community not in our, you know, our government agencies, certainly not with our politicians. And I think something that makes us positively different to everybody, not everybody else, but to lots of people, is to live in a way, the Bible says here, to respect all authorities. I think about Mr Joyce and I think about um, Kevin Anderson. I wonder if you ever write to them. And if you do ever write to them, I wonder if you've ever written to them positively. And uh, I, I periodically just write them something and say thanks now, that's my wiring, I like politics. But, but, you know, just to start there, just to really show honour to those, the Bible says, the Bible says that, that that's a powerful way to live, that that's, it's not rocket science, just a really good way to live. Police and ambos and everyone else, the teachers, hey, students, the teachers, and um, just to live that out well before um, people, our bosses. Um, when I was young, I worked for dairy farmers and our attitude with bosses was, my attitude with boss, I wasn't a Christian, my attitude with boss was they, they used to be upstairs like you guys and they had this glass window. They could look down and see all the workers. felt like a fishbowl, like a little goldfish bowl. And they'd look down on us and sprinkle feed in once a fortnight when we got paid. <laughs> and I was a hard worker. I've always worked hard. And, but you know what I would do? The moment I saw them there, I'd stop. So I'd work hard. all It was ridiculous. But I'm Australian. So I'd work hard all week, but the moment the bosses were in sight at the window, I'd stop and do nothing. 
Well, you guys don't tell me what to do. Actually, they do. They could have sacked me before the day was out, right? And Aussies, we're a little bit like that. We've got convict roots that's still got a bit of a hangover in the family, dare I say it, in the church, in the community, as it relates to government. The Bible comes along and says, hey, be radically different to all of that. Don't Don't get caught up in that. Be like many cultures around the world, but more than that, be like the culture that God wants to bring to the world and, and live out that way. Treat everyone we meet with dignity. I want to wrap with this. Treat everyone we meet with dignity and love your spiritual family. I think it's so important we treat people with honour, all people, all people with respect, all people with value. Place importance upon each person. Notice it says everyone, dignity, and I would add sincerely. You know, I don't know if he's here this morning. The person that comes to mind for me around this is Brody Keeley. Incredible young guy in our church. And I would suggest that a measure of a person, a Christian, is not who I'm connected to, but who I would walk past. Now, we all walk past people, because how can you not walk past all of like this room, even after this service? So if I walk past, you don't go, Darren, preach one thing, live another. That's, we're, we're talking about who would we walk past, because, you know, they're not... They're not really our kind of people. Maybe they would never say it, but beneath me. You know what I mean? The Bible says treat everyone with dignity. Everyone as though they're worthy because they are. And I would say how, who we walk by and how we treat those kinds of people says more about us than who we're connected to. So let's live that well. I know many of you do an incredible job. And then it says love your spiritual family. The Bible says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. Think about that for a moment. The defining signature thing about the church is meant to be love. To live that out, we have to live in relationship, don't we? We have to live in some level of connectedness for that to become a reality. The way we talk about Jesus' people is speaking volumes to them. The way we talk about Jesus' church, the way we're talking about Christians around us is very, very powerful. If I truly care about people, then uh, their life and eternity is going to shape the way I speak about Jesus, His church, and His people. By your love for one another, they will look on and say, there's something about Him, there's something about her. And so I want to close with this thought. I call it big love. I've noticed that mainstream thinking in our culture around love is that if you disagree in any way, if we have a difference of opinion, I don't love you. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, Darren, you can't say that. That's hate talk. Really? I would call that kind of love pre-puberty love. I can't walk with you if I don't 100% agree with you. I would say Bible love, big love, is so big that we can disagree and we can still walk together. That's radical love. Big love. Bible love. And so my encouragement to all of us as we leave here today, you know, just take that and go, hey, let's be bigger. We're not better. Let's be bigger. Let's live with big love that can disagree, that can be wronged, that can have the, you know, be missed, whatever it is, whatever's going on. And we go, you know what? I'm just going to speak well of Jesus' church and still going to extend love towards all people in Jesus' name. There's just something about that, Christian, and there might be something more to this. 
I'd love to see all of us living that because that'll be powerful in people's lives and eternities in Jesus' name. Amen? All right, let's stand. Hey, if you're not here tonight and you want to do something different, I'll be at the service at Bendemir preaching a completely different message this afternoon. And if you ever want to go to a little chapel in a little community, it's probably going to be packed to the rafters and just be a really great time of gathering. Um, head up, go to Bendy Pub, have some afternoon tea and a Coca-Cola and uh, head along to the service. It'll be a great time tonight. Let me pray and then we're going to sing and go. May you close your eyes just for a moment. Mighty God, thank you for every person here today. Every one of us living out our lives before you. And God, honestly, we do want to live them well. We wouldn't be here if we didn't want to do that. So today, God, thank you. Thank you for every person here sincerely devoted to you, doing their best in all of our frail humanity. Lord, we pray for strength. And, and Lord, I just pray that, Lord, people would come alive, all of us, with the compelling way you would have us live. And that, Father, I pray, strengthen us, help us. Help us not to be weird. Just help us to be really, Lord, um, positively and profoundly different in a way that affects people's soul and eternity. We know you'll take that, God. We know you'll take the seed of our what is our life and example and that you'll work in people's hearts. You'll, you'll change prejudices. You'll bring people to faith. Lives, families, futures will be changed. So we thank you for the opportunity in the land of the living to be made more like Jesus and live this life so compellingly well in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's quickly see. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.